This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Welcome back to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. Adam Delavitt is the big boss at Bet Rivers, and I thank him for these opportunities as the calendar approaches not the best month. It does we don't hit the best month of the year today. It's August, which is the precursor to the best month. Football season is right around the corner. Training camps are going strong, and if you listen to people reporting out of Lake Forest, you'd think the Bears already have won the NFC North. But lots of excitement on Matt Eberflus in his second year. There's tons of exciting stuff in the days and weeks ahead with HBO's Hard Knocks and Aaron Rodgers going at it verbally with Sean Payton of the Broncos. This year is starting off smoking, and I'm excited about it, and I'm excited about the prospect of college football, too, being right around the corner. And college football will not go away nationally in terms of what people are talking about, not just at the old water cooler. We don't have those anymore. But people, when they visit with friends at work or sit with buddies on bar stools, wherever you may go, social media, you cannot stop getting information about Northwestern and other football programs in the country that are under scrutiny and in litigation right now. And um, as much if, for those of you who've heard this, you you know I've been I've been torn up by the story because I'm a fan of the program, I'm a fan of people who were involved, um, yet I'm also a fan of progress. And it has torn me up because I, I don't think the bigness of this story has really sunk in yet with many who are commentating on it. And uh, let's try to do that right now. Let's try to put perspective on this with a guy who has done great work in what I am stunned to learn today. I know it was 10 years, but I didn't think it was 17 years. This is year 17 for Dave Revson at Big Ten Network hosting pregame, halftime, and postgame shows. He does it with Howard Griffith, the former Illini star, and college coach Jerry DiNardo. And, Rever, it's great to have you on. It's been a while since we've chatted. Some crummy circumstances bring us together today. We'll get to the season in just a little bit. But uh, has this Northwestern scandal, has it torn you up more than any sports story you've ever covered? Well, great to be with you, Dan. That's such a good question. I think maybe to a certain extent, yes. I mean, just the degree to which it hit close to home. I mean, I will say the the Penn State, Jerry Sandusky, just the the gravity of what went on with those young people, that was as disturbing a story as, as I've ever covered. And, you know, maybe some similarities just in terms of what Joe Paterno knew or, or didn't know and, and someone who I just held in incredible esteem because like you, I hold a lot of people who are around that Northwestern program in very high esteem. So 
It's been a really difficult story to cover, no doubt. It, there's so many layers to it, and it just feels like it's in some ways just starting. I mean, every day there's a new lawsuit filed or there's kind of something, there's some repercussions to it. So it is, it's really disturbing. It has been tough and, and, but no, that's the job, right? So that's, that's what you do. So sometimes you, you cover the tough stories. I think yesterday I saw where now there have been seven lawsuits filed uh, officially and perhaps more. I, 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 somebody, I, I read 30 potentially, 30 potential lawsuits out of this. And, and you know, when, when it involves actual sexual contact, I, I, I don't know how anybody, any thinking person, Dave Rebson, can't, can't be appalled by it. But I, I struggle with terms like, Pat Fitzgerald's program fostered a racist culture that to me, that's garbage. He's been there way too long for this to sneak out amidst the hazing allegations that everything this man has done has been awful. Like he's, he's being painted as the college football antichrist. And I really wrestle with that. I think it's been taken way too far. Well, again, part of it, I think, is the issue of the university not really saying anything to defend itself. Patrick Sherrill, I, I understand why he has remained quiet, just because there's so much riding on it for him in terms of salary that he would be owed, whether or not they find that he's fired with or without cause. So I suppose it makes sense in that way. There have been a lot of players, I, I think when some of that portion of it started there were definitely players who pushed back on on that notion um but you know the university hasn't said anything either i mean i think that that's what's the silence is is kind of deafening and it it seems like again i i always kind of assume the best in people like i don't want i i i want to think that they're doing what they think is right and that someone is advising them to do this and so I, there must be a reason that they have chosen essentially to be silent. I mean, the only administrator who has spoken is the athletic director, Derek Ragg, who waited nearly three weeks and then did an interview with me in Indianapolis. He is the only administrator to speak on camera. The president of the university has not spoken on camera. The interim football coach, David Braun, who, of course, had nothing to do with any of this, is the only other person really to speak on behalf of the university at all. And I thought he did an admirable job, frankly, at Big Ten media days, just given how difficult the circumstances were. But that part of it, I mean, kind of because to your point, Dan, I mean, and I'm not saying that what people are saying isn't true. It may very well be true, but there's just kind of there's there's no defense. And, and so at that point, you can kind of say whatever you want. Again, that is not saying it's not true. That's just saying that anyone can kind of say anything at this point because the, the university isn't going to say anything in, in its defense. And so that's kind of where we are. And so, and so maybe that speaks to what you're talking about, which is that it's just kind of difficult to stand by and watch people run roughshod over them. But that's the choice that they've made for whatever reason, that is the choice that they've made. Rever uh, at the kickoff festivities, the three Northwestern players who were expected to speak took a pass, didn't want to address it. I certainly don't blame them. And David Braun, as you mentioned, spoke, and he didn't address 
the hazing. It was all prior to his arrival in January this past uh, this past winter when he's hired to be the defensive coordinator. How broad are his shoulders? I mean, he is really walking into a snake pit right now. He is. I've spent some time with David. We actually had a lunch schedule. Whenever there's new coordinators or that type of position within the Big Ten, I, I try over the summer to, to reach out to people and get to know them. And, and with the proximity, he and I said, well, you know, let's get together and have lunch. And, and so we had a lunch on the calendar for about a month. <laughs> uh, it predated any of this other stuff. And uh, we still ended up doing it. I got reached out and said, do you still want to do this? And he said, yeah, it might be easier if you came to Evanston, though. <laughs> and, and so I did. And hmm. he's really an impressive guy. I mean, he's never worked at the FBS level at all. He's worked in the FCS level. He was at North Dakota State where he was a defensive coordinator. He won a couple of national championships. Obviously, it's a program that was really good before he got there. So I'm not saying he's solely responsible for that. But this is the first time he would have been at the FBS level. He's had a relationship with Pat Fitzgerald for many years. So I think for him, like that part of it is slightly overwhelming. There was news that came out this week that reportedly they're going to hire Skip Holtz to be kind of a consultant of sorts. I think that will help quite a bit. There's no one on that staff, as far as I know, who's been a head coach. I guess Jeff Jennick was maybe a head coach at, at Eastern Michigan for a while. But for all intents and purposes, you're, you're really limited there in, in head coaching experience. And I think this will be someone to kind of guide him through some of that, assuming that that hire does in fact go through. So I do think he has a ton of responsibility. I will tell you, Dan, he's a really personable guy. And I I think the players have really responded to him from what I've been able to gather. They really like him a lot. Uh, We'll see what happens here in the next week. I I certainly don't want to presuppose that anyone who's going to leave has already left, but they, they've only had one player who was supposed to be a contributor this year leave. Uh, everyone else has stayed. I, they still have a week, I believe, where they can leave and get into the portal. Now they've lost some incoming freshmen, and then they've had a bunch of decommitments of players who are still in high school, which you would understand. But I think he's done a fairly good job here to this point of, of holding it together and, and trying to figure out how to proceed. And I, I do think he's a guy who can, who can, help make it through this year again I, I really liked him a lot and was impressed with him but it is to your point kind of a yeoman's task I mean just the the amount that's on his shoulders is staggering yeah the the decommitments keep coming and I think probably too late on the calendar for a lot of these kids to get into the portal I I, I assume there are a lot of them looking to move on after this uh, this year goes down and, you know, you, you think about the process by which Penn state healed you, you they brought in an alum in Bill O'Brien and, and what happened at Penn state is radically more egregious than what we're talking about with Northwestern, but they brought in Bill O'Brien to sort of serve as a band aid, And then James Franklin has them back up at national championship caliber uh, a football team just in a couple of years, I I don't see that forecast. And there's the reality, Dave, of a of a football program that's going to continue. I I think we are looking. I I, I don't mean to be dramatic about it, but I think we're looking at decades of disrepair to what this, how far reaching this is going to Well, go. I mean, look, Penn State has some built-in advantages in some ways and Northwestern does. And just to be clear, Bill O'Brien, I, I believe, went to Brown. I, I don't think he actually had a connection to uh, to Penn okay, State, for what you. it's worth. I, I don't, you know, again, I, I'm not sure. 
whether that's relevant, but um, so, I mean, I, I don't know, Dan. Look, look, they have, Northwestern has a lot of infrastructure in place. I mean, they have an incredible facility. They have a great university. I mean, one thing I will say is, again, I'm not saying what happened or didn't happen, but, you know, players now can transfer without having to sit out. And before any of this broke, like Northwestern had the fewest transfers in the Big Ten by far over the, the time where the portal's been wide open. I mean, not not even close, the fewest transfers. So, you know, people value that degree. I mean, I, I think that that's kind of the, the lesson there is that that it does matter still to kids, kids who choose to go there, uh, that, that that part of it, there's a there's that reason for choosing it above and beyond football or inclusive with football. So I think if they get the right person in place, someone who has a great plan, you know, the other thing I'd say is I think Pat Fitzgerald did an amazing job at Northwestern, but the two people who preceded him both won Big Ten championships. Gary Barnett won two, Randy Walker won one. I mean, it's been a pretty respectable program for 30 years. So, and, and I think that's because there's been institutional support for it where, where there hadn't been before that. So will there continue to be institutional support? I think that's the big question. You know, how behind athletics is Michael Schill, the university president? It's impossible to know. I mean, the guy's basically been in office for really for two months. Uh, he's been there for about eight months, but I mean, he was, he you know had kind of his formal induction ceremony uh, at the beginning of June. So I, I just don't know. I mean, but but again, I do think that there, uh, I think had this happened 20 or 30 years ago, it would have been the death knell. I, I do think that they have had a nice level of success with athletics here over the last 30 years, enough that people have rallied around it and understood the positive impact it can have on the university. And it seems to me that there's a pretty broad cross-section of alums who believe in that and care about that and, and want to be that mm-hmm. and don't want to be a school that, you know, don't want to be the University of Chicago, just to give an example. And again, the University of Chicago is a world-class institution, but athletics aren't really part of that equation. And I, I don't think that's right. what Northwestern wants to be, is my impression. But but we'll see. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I do think it's an interesting, a fascinating kind of crossroads here and and they'll have to make some big decisions here going forward as to how they're going to support it institutionally there's a generation of football fans who don't have any idea the younger younger listeners have any idea how woeful it was before (laughs) gary barnett's arrival in 92 i mean you and i grew up around here and when you, you you have dennis green it took him five years to win 10 games Fitz won 10 games three times. It took Danny Green five seasons to win 10 games collectively. Francis Pay and on and on and on. Man, oh, man, it was uh, from Barnett to Walker to Fitzgerald. It's been a crazy good story, and I don't think there is any debate. I'd love to have it with anybody on who in the last 30-plus years and change since uh, Barnett took the job was a better head football coach in the state of Illinois. You want to throw Ron Turner at me? He's the only other one with a bowl win in that time. Maybe Brett Bielema will get there at Illinois, but not just yet. Yeah, I think Brett's going to do a fabulous job at Illinois, and I think we might be talking about him in those terms here five, ten years from now. But, no, look, I agree with you. I mean, Dennis Green was Big Ten Coach of the Year. He won three games. I mean, that tells you kind of everything you need to know. So, I mean, it it was a total mess. It was a disaster. And, 
And I think that it reflected poorly on the school. And I think that they made a decision really almost by accident with Gary Barnett when they started winning. There was this understanding that those two things could go hand in hand, that you could have athletic success. I mean, there literally was a president, Robert Strotz, who was quoted uh, either in the late 70s or early 80s as saying he believed that losing athletic programs enhanced the academic reputation of the university. And I mean, that quote was in the Chicago Tribune. I mean, you can look it up. So there was this feeling of that, that it was almost that they were above it all. And, and, you know, as to why they were even in the big 10, I think was a big question. I I think those years are long past. And I, I, I think, they have a great, you know, certainly Chris Collins here uh, getting the basketball program going here over the last decade and the incredible success they've had in women's sports, winning national championships in lacrosse and field hockey and uh, softball's been great. So I, I, I think they understand that that it really enhances the school. The university's academic reputation's never been higher. Top 10 in U.S. News and World Report. The number of applications are off the charts. I, I guess I just wonder how much the university's broader reputation has been sullied here. And I think that's something that it's going to take years mm-hmm. to, to figure out like what the, what the damage is in terms of all of that. And, and I think we'll start to find out, you know, do like, do applications go down? Like what happens on, on, in that mm-hmm. sense, but um, that it, it's really fascinating. And I just think there's so much more of this tale to be told here. Good talking college football, even though it's a it's a crummy topic adjacent to college football with Dave Rebson from the Big Ten Network. All right, give me your uh, crystal ball for the upcoming season. We have the usual suspects from the East, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, all ranked in the top five, and then Iowa and Minnesota. Here we go, Paul Bunyan's axe. <laughs> I just love that Big Ten West. Uh, they're also in the top 25. Who wins the conference, and uh, are they a national championship contender in your well, mind? I'm guessing you're going to say Michigan and I yes. don't want to hedge too much, but I will say, you know, Jerry and Howard and I get to go on this preseason tour where we watch every team practice. And so that starts on Friday in Lincoln, Nebraska. And so I, I, I kind of always hedge of, hey, I'd kind of like to see the teams. I have this this unfair advantage, maybe, of being able to see them. So before uh-huh. I make a pick, on paper, I think Michigan's the best team, Dan. I don't think there's any question about that. I would say maybe Penn State next. I think they have a few fewer question marks than Ohio State. And I, I always feel like when you start in the preseason, part of your challenge, if you haven't seen the team's practice, is, well, who – who has the most known commodities. And I actually think Penn State, a better offensive line right now on paper than Ohio State has, better defense than Ohio State has. We've seen their quarterback play, which we haven't with Ohio State. So I like Penn State a lot. I mean, I I think they're right there in that discussion with Michigan. But yeah, on paper, Michigan's probably the best team. And then in the West, I mean, the West is fascinating. You talked about Brett and Illinois. I there's, there are question marks there. There's a lot to replace, but I think they're really good on both lines of scrimmage. I still think they'll be good at running back. I mean, losing Chase Brown's big. We'll have to see how the quarterback situation plays out. Luke Altmeyer from Ole Miss kind of seems like the front runner there. But I, Wisconsin is the one that I think most people are, are mentioning. Luke Fickle is a known commodity, a really good head coach. He did an incredible job at Cincinnati. They are going to a wide-open offense, an air raid offense at Wisconsin, which is crazy to think about 
with Phil Longo. And then Iowa, I mean, if they can figure it out at all on offense, they've got a great transfer quarterback in Cade McNamara from Michigan, who led Michigan to the Big Ten Championship two years ago in the college football playoff, got beat out by a Chicago kid, J.J. McCarthy. Now he's going to Iowa. You know the defense is going to be really good with Phil Parker, so they'll be in that conversation as well. I think I said Minnesota top 25 when I met Wisconsin I when I was setting up the question, but uh, nonetheless, E1 if you're scoring. It is training camp. I'm envious <laughs> of you guys. You guys get to wear shorts and sunscreen and yeah. spend the weekend or at least a bit of it in Lincoln, Nebraska. Oh, that's Man, it should be fun. They actually get to hit each other a little bit in college camps, they too. They do, yes. It is so much fun, Dan. Like, I I tell this joke or, or tell this story that, you know, when we started this tour, we had really young kids. We had, like, three kids under five years old. Now that the two youngest are going to college this year, so that tells you how long we've been doing this. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I would say to my wife, oh, you know, it's going to be tough, 18 days on the road, and so we kind of got a couple of years into it and she finally just called me to the carpet. She's like, you know, explain to me how this is hard, right? You're gone for 18 straight days, hanging out with Jerry and Howard, who you love. You're watching football, which you love. You're eating really well. You enjoy doing that. And oh, by the way, you're not at home taking care of these kids. So you know, tell me why I'm supposed to feel sorry for you. And I really, I had no response, Dan. I just kind of, I yeah. said, you're right. And I've been trying to pull this ruse, but the truth of the matter is it's a yeah. ton of fun. Yes. Guilty as charged. This way, every, every, every Bears beat guy or anyone who followed the Bears when they trained in Platteville with kids, we all had frowns when they announced they were moving to Bourbonnet because we're, we're expected home for dinner. Dave, thanks a bunch for the time. Look forward to doing it again sometime down the road. My best to Howard and Coach D. All right, too. I'll pass that along. Thanks, Danny Mac. Ton of fun. Take care. Dave Revson from Big Ten Network. I'm Dan McNeil, and you're listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe if you've not done so already. You can do it anywhere you get your podcast, and tell a friend. The Macker isn't done sharing his deep sports thoughts with you. You can find me twice a week. Typically on Monday late mornings we drop, and then again later in the week on Thursday. I'm Dan McNeil, and I am not finished saying things about stuff. Yes, college football gets me going. Not quite the way the pros do. And, man, the NFL stories already are juicy ones. I'm looking forward to digging into them in depth on the podcast on Thursday. And around the corner, very, very soon, I'm going to get into some other NFC North training camps with you. I'm going to uh, check out what's happening with the Vikings, who I think will win the NFC North. They're plus 400 at Bet Rivers right now, if you're interested. Uh, I, I will get a hold of my guy, Pete Bursich, who played uh, at Notre Dame and also for the Vikings. He's been a member of their radio crew for a long time. I'll get him on board for you sometime during the month of August. And Wayne Larravee, the voice of the Packers, uh, since I think 99 when he left the Bears. It's been a long, long time for Wayno in Green Bay. We'll get him on board too. And I'll find myself a Lions guy, maybe Big Jim Branstad, or even though he doesn't do the Lions games on the radio anymore. He did for a long time, former Michigan offensive lineman, played for Bo Schembechler, did the Michigan games on the air. He's an observer. 
And uh, I haven't talked to Brandy in way too damn long. So I'll get a hold of Jim Branstadter to cover the Lions. So how's that for promises? And, of course, we will take a peek at every step along the way to Canton, Ohio. Justin Fields is taking this year. My goodness, the optimism is enormous. Uh, it's crazy when you listen to people talk about these practices like they are a referendum on a guy's season. They're not. They are workouts in training camp. They don't even have the pads on yet. And yet I'm hearing some exuberance that is just, just a smidge over the top for me, but that's okay. It's better than being sad, right? It's better than wringing your hands over what's going on with Northwestern. And, man, I am so tired of that story, but it fascinates me more. The more I think about it, the more the the, the far-reaching. I, I think Dave Revson, he, maybe he's right, but I, I think this is going to sting the program much, much longer than Dave, uh, Dave indicated. We'll see if administratively they wind up holding up uh, and doing the right things. Right now, there is an $800 million football stadium that has a big question mark um, on it. So we'll see. Bears, NFL, Hard Knocks, and the Jets, that starts a week from tonight. So there is so much to go around, and I always welcome your input as well. If you want to get to me on Twitter, it's at Danny Mac Show, or you can find me on Facebook. Adam Delavitt runs the show for Bet Rivers Podcast Network. Sam Michael is my executive producer. Thank you so very much for listening. I'm back Thursday with more football chatter on the Danny Mac Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.